And now, Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. I think that, to be very honest with you, I, I do believe that we should have rightly believed, but we certainly believe that certain issues are just settled. Certain issues are just settled. And that's why I do believe that we are living, sadly, in um, real unsettled times. This has been Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. Stu does America. VeepThoughts.com is the place to go to get all of the knowledge of Kamala Harris. It's a very small website. StudosPowerHour.com is the place to go to see all of us get drunk for no reason and try to talk politics. It was a lot of fun. Uh, If you missed it on Friday night, you missed a heck of a show. It was absolutely crazy from beginning to end. And I think you'll have a, it looks like it's going to be our biggest one yet. So check it out. Stu does powerhour.com. Alex Stein was there. He's hopefully recovered enough from his power hour hot sauce shots to talk to me today, which was what a show that was. The left continues to ramp up the insanity of their Roe versus Wade response. We'll get to that. But we start by doing the democratic mutiny. Yes, it's begun, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, when thing goes, things go terribly, terribly wrong, you start to see this type of behavior. I want to get into that. And if you thought to yourself, well, things couldn't get any worse for Joe Biden. Well, we had the news, of course, coming down the pike this weekend that 4chan had released uh, a bunch of documents, text messages, videos, voicemails, files, all sorts of things from Hunter Biden's iPhone. It seems like somebody crashed or it was able to uh, hack into his iPhone in some way, maybe his iCloud account. It's not exactly clear where this stuff came from. We have to say at this point, allegedly his because we don't know and I don't want to confirm anything that I don't know, though I will say certainly lines up with everything else we've seen from Hunter Biden. And some of this, you know, some of the audio is like clearly Joe Biden speaking. I mean, we know we you know can tell by just listening to it, though. You never know with AI. Maybe we'll find out it's totally fake, but they're not denying it. Of course, they're not saying anything. They don't have to say anything because the media isn't even asking about that. We're going to get back into the Hunter Biden thing here in a little while. But when you have news like that, you think that might be the worst news of your weekend. But no, not for Joe Biden and his presidency, because we, we've seen a lot of this Hunter Biden stuff before. We've seen all the craziness that comes out with Hunter Biden and hookers and cocaine and all that. And we've seen some of the craziness with the corruption in the what people often call the Biden crime family. There's a lot going on there and a lot of that we've seen before. But one thing they've always seemed to be able to maintain was the backing of the media. They didn't get into all of his negative stuff. They avoided it often. Stuff like, you know, hey, Joe Biden's kind of old. They didn't normally talk about that. They talked about it during the the primary a little bit. And they said, hey, this guy's kind of old. I don't know. At the time, of course, they wanted somebody else to win. When he got the nomination, zip the mouth for the first, I don't know, year and a half of his presidency. Zip the mouth. No longer was he old. Well, this weekend, we got not only a Washington Post story, but also a big New York Times story. At 79, Biden is testing the boundaries of age and the presidency. President Biden has said he plans to run for a second term, but his age has become an uncomfortable issue for him and his party. These things don't just happen. You know, when I grew up, I had this weird, naive vision of what the news media was. 
which was kind of a vision based on like Watergate, right? Where you have a couple of reporters being like, this doesn't sound right. I want to know what's going on. And they get a call from a source and they go down to the, the, the parking garage and they're talking to the source and they're hiding the source's identity and they're reporting this incredible news that nobody else knows, breaking stories, chasing down the facts, putting rubber to road and just going all over the city to hunt down all the facts of a story. Nothing to do with how actual news is reported. What always happens is someone who's an interested party calls up somebody they think is a friendly reporter and gives them the entire story from beginning to end. And then maybe if you have a good journalist, they'll actually check some of the details to see if generally speaking that story is true. And then it gets blurted out all over the media. But those things happen because there is an agenda behind the person presenting it. And I can tell you this, the New York Times didn't do all sorts of rubber to road research to realize that Joe Biden was old. That was obvious a long time ago. Everybody knew Joe Biden was old. They just didn't really talk about it. They would call people haters and, and, uh, and awful people, uh, people who were basically just slandering the president and trying to make him look bad by calling him old and worrying about his, his cognitive abilities. They kept saying that over and over and over again and pushed it out of the mainstream conversation. But the real conversation that was happening between real people, it's constantly brought up. I mean, that, that, of all the things that Joe Biden has done, and he's had a ton of terrible policies, the number one thing to this day that people bring up to me when they talk about Biden is how he looks like he's out of it. You know, it's just obvious to all human beings. Yet the media ignored it for about two years. Well, now we are at the point where bad things are happening for the Biden administration because this means that there is a bunch of Democrats who are sitting there saying, now's the time. This is going too badly. We would have loved to ignore this. We would have loved to have Joe Biden ride out his presidency and have a second term. We don't care. But it's going so badly, we need to come up with something to blame. And now Democrats on the left are feeling that it's OK to go to the nation's most prominent publications and tell them, you know what, you should write a story about how he's too old. Let me give you some details. Let me connect you with some people. Let me show you what we're talking about. Here's our back uh, room conversations about how old he is. Here's how we protect him from having to do interviews. All of this stuff is in these reports, and it's a little scary. Um, also, at the same time, we had another story from the New York Times, a brand new poll that it came out, and it's I mean, legitimately stunning. You know I'm a nerd, and I look at these polls all the time, and I, I follow this stuff for a long, long, long time. Rarely do you see polls like this. Now, this is a poll conducted by the New York Times once again. They go out and they ask a bunch of questions that could provide very uncomfortable answers. And a lot of times, that's the way you manipulate polling for a candidate that you like. You don't ask the tough questions. You don't ask the questions that are going to come out poorly. You ask the questions that are going to come out positively. Look at the way they poll on Roe versus Wade. They say, instead of asking the details, they ask, do you like Roe versus Wade? Knowing that 80% of the population has no idea how to decipher that legal ruling. In fact, that legal ruling wasn't even really in place. It was the Casey decision that was actually the operating standard. But they just went to, they just said, well, Roe versus Wade, do you like that? Most people thought, well, that means they have to ban abortion in all cases, even you know, rape and incest and life of the mother. So no, I, we can't get rid of Roe versus Wade. I like it. When you ask them the details, you wind up that 72% of people are basically on the Republican side of this argument. You know, that's what the one poll that they did ask the question properly actually said. Well, most Democrats don't want Biden in 2024. That's what the new poll shows. With the country gripped by pervasive sense of pessimism, the president is hemorrhaging 
support. Again, they don't have to write these stories. They don't have to release these polls. When they do, there's a reason they're doing it typically. Now, this comes from uh, one department uh, from The New York Times that has some credibility. Their, their data department is actually relatively good, and uh, they have some people there that don't necessarily have the huge agenda of the paper overall. But of course, you don't, you know, editors do not have to let these things go by. The prominence of where this was placed is another situation. The message is being sent to the Biden administration. Turn this thing around or you're in big trouble for 2024. Uh, In a sign of deep vulnerability and unease among what is supposed to be his political base. Listen to this statistic. Only 26 percent of Democratic voters said the party should renominate Joe Biden in 2024. It's almost impossible to describe What a catastrophic number that is. Only 26%, if only 26% of the nation felt that way, it would be really bad. If only 26% of independents felt that way, it would be incredibly bad. The fact that 26% of his own supporters are saying this is incomprehensible. It's almost unheard of when it comes to presidential polling. It's really, really bad. And the question is, why do they want another candidate? And remember, this is right on the heels of we've just discovered Joe Biden is old. That story in The New York Times. Here is the result of this poll. The number one reason, age. 33% said age was the main reason they did not want them uh, to renominate Joe Biden. Number two was job performance. Uh, at 32%. Number three was prefer someone new at 12%. Not progressive enough comes in there somehow at 10%. Ability to win the general election at 4%. Mental acuity is at 3%. Obviously, you just add that one to age. I mean, that's just involved in age. So you're up there now 36% for age. Uh, Views on domestic issues is only 1%. And uh, a couple of people didn't bother to know or have any opinion on a big issue like this, which is Kind of strange. Um, Republican opposition is predictably overwhelming, but more than two thirds of independents also now disapprove of the president's performance and nearly half disapprove strongly among fellow Democrats. His approval rating stands at 70 percent, a relatively low figure for a president, especially heading into the 2022 midterms when Mr. Biden needs to rally Democrats to the polls to maintain control of Congress. I I assure you that the Democrats at this point have given up on that. They they do not think they're going to have any chance of holding, especially the House. The Senate, they do have a chance because there's only a few races. They have a uh, an advantage when it comes to the structure of those races this year. In 2024, it's the opposite. It's not always Democrats with the advantage. But in 2024, it will be the opposite. This year, this is a year that leans toward Democrats. So it's going to be hard for the Republicans to pick that off. But the 70 percent number is a little misleading. 70 percent sounds like a good number. Hey, 70 percent of his party agrees with him or still supports his job performance. But that's really, really a bad number for your own party. Um, You know, when Nixon was thrown out of office, his approval rating among Republicans was about 70 percent. So usually your party doesn't bail on you uh, very often. And the fact that they are bailing this much on Joe Biden in year number two, he now has the worst approval rating of any president in history, as long as they've measured it at this point in his presidency. It's really, really bad. Congressional Democrats um, have spent much of the past year bickering with a small number of moderates blocking legislation that would reduce drug prices, address climate change and take other popular steps, quote unquote. 
at least to me. Many Democrats, both politicians and voters, especially on the party's left flank, also seem more focused on divisive cultural issues than on most Americans' everyday concerns, like inflation. And this has been one of the big stories. You know, the left had this really bizarre idea that they wanted to go with someone like Bernie Sanders. And when Hillary Clinton went out there and she lost, a lot of the blame from progressives went on the idea that she didn't run far enough to the left. Now, Biden, oddly, he went about this in the most reverse way possible. He sort of ran to the middle during the primary and was able to win that way. And you think, okay, he was able to win the primary running on a running a campaign that sounded more conservative or more moderate than, you know, the people like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, the completely insane people on stage. And of course, that's 100 percent true. He was, at least in appearance, more moderate. But then when he got to the general election, he seemed to go left. He just went left, 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 attempted to get the base out and was able to succeed with that strategy. But uh, as a, uh, when you're talking about governing, it's surprising. You'd think he, this is the time he can come back to the middle. He wants to get a consensus. He can draw some moderates over. He can draw some independents over. No, no. He's eschewed all of that and decided to just go super hard left. And that has been what we've seen with the Biden administration really since he got into office. Uh, Nate, uh, Nate Cohn, who is uh, one of the head pollsters over there at the New York Times and actually does some good work, he says the left has set a uh, set of priorities that is just different from the rest of the countries. Liberals care more about abortion and guns uh, than about the economy. Conservative concerns are much more in line with the rest of the country. It's true. It's just plainly, flatly true. Conservatives are talking about the economy. Conservatives are talking about jobs. They're talking about uh, freedom from COVID restrictions. Just that issue alone. Look, we all know some people take COVID more seriously than others. Some people are more lackadaisical about the effects of COVID. But if you can't recognize that people want to get back to reality by now, you're nuts. Everybody wants it. You know, whether you think it's right or not, you can you can give your little recommendations, but no one wants to hear it anymore. It's, it's just we're beyond it at this point. And you could say that's wrong if you want. But if you're trying to run a political party, you better be aware as to what people actually think. And the Democrats don't seem to have any ability to decipher this at all. And now we're seeing the country just looking at this situation and saying, holy crap, are we on the wrong track. This is not going well. The new poll is out and it is as bad as we've ever seen it, really. The right track, wrong track on this particular poll is 13 percent on the right track and up near 80 percent on the wrong track it is the worst this number has been since the peak of the 2008 housing collapse. Um, it doesn't, it's not clear whether they actually polled during the peaks of covid, which you may think push that number as well. But that's the thing. People just don't they look at where we are and they say this is not going well. Uh, you look around and you think this is a this is just a catastrophe in slow motion. And nobody wants to vote for that again. Nobody wants more of that. I mean, the media is doing their best. I mean, they're trying as hard as they can to make this look good to put shine on this piece of crap, but it's not working out all that well. Let me give you a couple of stories. This is from just a few weeks ago, um, June 8th, 2022. Gas prices hit a new record of 486 per gallon. People were terrified by, by that. That was a scary, scary thing one month ago. A month and two days later, 
average U.S. gas pr- uh, price falls 19 cents to 486 per gallon. Like now we're supposed to believe that 486 is a good price? 486? I don't think I'd ever seen in my lifetime 486. We used to make fun of Europe for having $5 gasoline. And now we're like, oh, gosh, it's 486. What a, what a dream. Things are going the right direction. Look, everybody knows what's going on here. And I think people are just starting to wake up, even people on the left. This is what's important here. It's not just us. It's even people on the left who are waking up to this. Uh, now, remember, when you write a story like this, you write a story about how Democrats are having problems with Joe Biden. Things aren't going so well, and, and voters know it. You can write that story however you want. It's really a made-up story. It's not like, hey, there was a shooting on this street at this time, and you have to tell the story. You can certainly try to put your spin on it. You can insert some gun control language in there. But there's only so much you can do with a story like this. Saying that Joe Biden is not pleasing to the average American is not necessarily a news story. It's a narrative. It's a piece of narrative, right? We know that it's true. It's a true piece of narrative. But it's been true for a year. And they haven't reported it at all. Now they're starting to report it. And they've decided to bring that narrative to you. They now want you to know that. They want Democrats to know it's okay to criticize Biden. Maybe we should get rid of him. Maybe we should find someone, something else. Anyone have Gavin Newsom's, uh, Newsom's phone number? I know a lot of people do because he's had sex with so many of his best friend's wives, so plenty of people have his phone number. But the question is, what do we do here? What do we do? And people are starting to wake up and see this. So when you're writing the story, you can write it however you want. You can go find people who say, you know what? The economy's not bad, but it's not Joe Biden's fault. You know what it is? The Putin price hike. And these things are going bad because of the Republicans. You can find those people. They clearly do exist. They're all over Twitter, seemingly. But instead, they go and they find people like this. Mr. Ferrier, a Democrat who voted for Mr. Biden in 2020, said she had hoped he might have been able to do more to heal the nation's divisions. But now, as a single mother, she is preoccupied with what she described as crippling increases in her cost of living. I went from living a comfortable lifestyle to I can't afford anything anymore, she said. No kidding. I wonder what changed in that time period from the comfortable life to you can't afford anything anymore. What do you think changed? What are we supposed to take from the article that changed? The whole story is about how what a terrible job Joe Biden is, the fact that he's old and out of touch. Well, that's the narrative that's coming to you from The New York Times. And that's the narrative The New York Times is approving of. And that's the most interesting thing here. Look, the truth is that, you know, and I know that this experiment with an 80-year-old nincompoop isn't working. But the important thing to realize is Democrats also know it's not working. They realize they are in deep, deep trouble. And there's absolutely no chance whatsoever that the New York Times just decided to start addressing all of the weaknesses that we've been talking about forever. The Times and the Post didn't just wake up on the same weekend and both realize that Joe Biden is old. This comes straight from Democratic insiders telling their allies at the Post and at the Times to build this narrative. And this narrative has the chance of snowballing on the administration. As Nate Silver noted on Twitter, quote, at some point, criticism of Biden from potential Democratic alternatives in 2024 could become self-reinforcing, i.e., the more Dems criticize Biden, the worse his numbers get the more vulnerable he looks, and the more Democrats jump into the 2024 fray. Rinse, repeat, etc. 
Biden has essentially one more chance to turn this around. And if he somehow, somehow can turn things around and has a midterm that isn't catastrophic, if he can hold the Senate somehow, maybe even loses the House, but not terribly, there might be hope for him to hold off a full revolt. But if we see a wave election, a complete repudiation of his leadership in full come, let's say, mid-November, he may not be able to hold back the tide. And he might just find a convenient reason to spend more time with the family. Hunter's got lots of problems, you know, before he can even get a chance to go for a second term. And the Democratic mutiny will be complete. You've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy, but choosing a VPN that you trust is equally as important. I can say with full confidence that ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. Why? Well, ExpressVPN doesn't log your activity online. They developed a technology, Trusted Server, that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. ExpressVPN now uses Lightway. It's a new VPN protocol that they engineered to make user speeds faster than ever so you can stream videos in HD quality with zero buffering. Plus, it's simple to use. Uh, You don't need any technical skills. That's the part that really sold me on it because, honestly, I don't really understand the whole, you know, you get in too deep in the technology stuff and I just get frustrated and give up. ExpressVPN, you open up the app, you press the button one time, it connects, you never have to think about it again. It runs perfectly. Uh, you don't have any lagging. It's just great, and you're protected online. Protect yourself with the VPN that I use and that I trust. You can use my link at expressvpn.com stew today and get an extra three months for free on a one-year package. It's expressvpn.com stew. Visit expressvpn.com stew to learn more and sign up today. Alex died for the win. This is not going to help my myocarditis. they allow us to do that. I don't understand. Joining me, fresh from the hospital following a nasty case <laughs> of hot sauce poisoning is Alex Stein. He's a Blaze TV contributor and host of Conspiracy Castle, which you can subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Alex, how how are you doing? I'm doing about a Six out of ten right now. The gastrointestinal <laughs> problems are healing. Uh, my number twos have been uh, not as good as they normally are, yeah. but I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm getting there. <laughs> well, this is it's a funny backstory to this because we invited you on uh, for the Power Hour. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for doing it. By the way, you can watch it at StuDoesPowerHour.com. Watch the whole. I mean, that was 
after a lot of craziness. Uh, and uh, at one point, someone said to me after, like, oh, that was really funny when you got up and you hugged Alex Stein. I'm like, what? I, <laughs> yeah, you hugged me. Did I really? Yeah, he, gave me, he embraced me. He I, said thank you. At the end, I was like, wow, I really appreciate that, Stu. Yeah, it was an emotional. It was an emotional show. We had you know highs, lows. It was definitely emotional. Yeah, it, it really was. And that was you know a really really crazy moment. But it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. And so when we first booked you, I didn't know you didn't drink. Yeah. And so we, I brought you on. Kind of was just assuming you drank. We're sorry about that. Um, but you come on, and you know you you were a blast the whole time. A lot of fun. But as we were preparing, we realized we have all these games planned, and there's penalty shots to it. So everyone else is doing you know fireball or vodka or whatever, and you're not going to do that. So we kind of came up. We were trying to come up with some sort of punishment. And you yourself suggested shots of hot sauce, which I was like, that's way worse than the stuff we were going to do to you. So they went out, got hot sauce, and you wound up doing, I think, was it three? Yeah, I did three. I think that was like three-fourths of a bottle of the Louisiana uh. hot sauce because it's only like a five-ounce bottle or something like that. And, you know, thanks. I wanted to just say thank you to all your uh, producers for pouring the shot to the very tip-top <laughs> of sauce. They didn't give me much help with those pours. And you did the same to Sarah. It was an oh, insane show. It, it was. was. It's a lot of fun, though. This things are fun. Oh, my not? gosh, yeah, yeah. It was a blast. And you could tell the audience. I think the best part is the live studio audience. They really enjoyed it, and yeah. that energy made it really fun. Yeah, they were fantastic. We had people coming from uh, Massachusetts, California, uh, Michigan, California, all over the country to come to our stupid little power. <laughs> if you did, if that was you, thank you so much for coming. It was so much fun. It was great to see people. You know, it's weird because, you know, through the COVID thing, we used to go out on tours all the time and then kind of stuff shut down for a while. No one was really doing anything. And it's been a while since we've been able to like hang out with fans of the show. It was really cool to get back together with them. Yeah. And I think they liked it. You know, I'm a glutton for punishment. And uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, they liked seeing me in pain. And you know what? Uh, for comedy, for entertainment, I'm willing to die on this stage for you, Stu. So you. That, that's the, that is the <laughs> devotion that, that I have for I uh, the Blaze and you, Stu. I worry about you. But <laughs> yeah, I, get I worry that about me. My dad worries about me. Everybody's worried about me. Rightfully so. <laughs> Uh, So let's talk about someone else who should consider stopping drinking, uh, Hunter Biden. (laughs) Hunter has some issues. There was a big hack of his iPhone, and we don't know who did it yet, but we, I mean, it certainly seems authentic. It's all the same stuff that we saw on the laptop, right? I mean, except new versions of it. He's with hookers. He's doing drugs. He's negotiating crack rock prices. I mean, this, how, how does this keep happening? Well, I, I, I think we talked about this a little bit. I think this might be done on purpose in order to get Joe Biden out of the White House maybe earlier to sort of sort of humiliate him so mm. that he doesn't run in 2024. Because it seems, you know, for me, a little too convenient that this is coming out almost in a drip factor. You know, you know, it's just a little yeah. bit, a little bit, a little bit. And I think there's a lot more that we're going to see, Stu. Meaning, like, you think the hack is maybe intentional to kind of pressure him uh, to maybe get out and not run again. 100%, because the media right now, they're totally ignoring it, but they can only ignore the elephant in the room for so long, and there's going to be just an overwhelming amount where even the, the blue anon is what they call that. That's the mm. liberal you know, conspiracy theorist. Yeah. They're going to realize, hey, this isn't a conspiracy anymore. This is 100% real. Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem real. It's, it's interesting because I think of, yeah, when I listen to like the, the voicemails that you hear, sometimes you hear Biden talk about, about Hunter, and you can kind of sympathize a little bit. As a father, your son's a total screw-up. Yeah. He's ruining his life. He's almost ruining your life constantly. You can see that there, there must be some empathy uh, for him as a dad. But on the other hand, like, 
this all could have gone away if he didn't run, you know, he, and he decided to do it anyway, which seems kind of selfish. Well, you say that, I mean, I almost think he was kind of forced to run in a way because it's mm. like, who else were they going to put in that <laughs> position? I mean, it wasn't going to be Bernie. It wasn't going to be Hillary again. And, you know, honestly, I think the part of, and I said this earlier again, Hunter Biden, I'm almost empathetic to his drug problem, but to him selling out and all the crooked business dealings with China yeah. and the Ukraine, that's what they're trying to hide. And for me, it's like, come on, media, please talk about that. They give us crack rocks all day long. Yeah. But tell us about the illegal business dealings and the $80 billion that are going to Ukraine and the millions of barrels of oil that are going to Chinese companies that they have investments in. Yeah. And look, it is a story if just the only thing that's happening is the president's son is doing crack rocks <laughs> off hookers' bellies, right? Like, yeah. that's, a, that's still a story. I mean, do you remember the stories? I don't know. Maybe you don't. But like, the, like Jenna Bush. Right? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, she went out drinking in college. On a bar. She yeah. stood up on a bar. That was the <laughs> yeah, biggest was deal ever. Deal. Yeah, it's like. So this is a story, I'm sorry, even if it's just Hunter, but it's not just Hunter, right? Like, this is more. And it goes to that corruption factor. We just saw a story last week where uh, 950,000 barrels of, from our strategic yeah. oil reserve went to China to a, con- uh, a company that Joe, uh, Hunter Biden had direct business ties with. I mean, this is... This is reaching the White House at some level. Yeah, and you know, just the fact, I said this earlier, just the fact that nobody is talking about it, even the barrels of oil, nobody's talking about Mm -hmm. that. And when they ask him, they have the voicemail of Joe saying, you know, basically you're in the clear from these, you know, shady business dealings. And Kareen, KJ, you know, as I call her, Kareen Jean, she's like, oh, whatever Joe Biden says is the correct, you know, whatever is the correct statement from the president. So they will lie in our face. And I said this once on Tucker Carlson, not trying to name drop is, but the government, (laughs) what they like to do is they like to tinkle on us and tell us it's raining. I think this is the most perfect example of what's happening with this presidency and their lies. It it is really true. Um, In fact, you're going to be on Tucker Carlson. Is that tonight? Tonight, there's going to be a preview of my uh, hour long episode and it'll air on Fox Nation on uh, July 12th. An hour? hour-long episode. So c- yes. give me the backstory here. How did this happen? Well, okay, so Tucker Carlson just happens to be a fan. He actually, uh, you know, has family. His daughter goes to SMU here in Dallas. So he has a connection to Dallas. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, I talked about this last time on your show, I'm suing Dallas County Judge Clay Jenkins, which Tucker <laughs> doesn't like. Yeah. So he just likes, you know, that I'm in the you know Dallas universe and that I go out and I troll these people because um, their exact words is there's a lot of political pundits too, but there's not a lot of political comedians. So I think that's why they gave me a platform and that's why I'm really grateful to Tucker. My <laughs> biological father, I must say. Yeah. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> it's funny because, uh, you know, I mean, an hour-long episode, that's a, it's a huge platform for you. You've, you've, your, your profile has grown really fast. Uh, have, has that been weird to adjust to? I mean, I, you, you've been in media a little bit before mm-hmm. all of this happened, but, like, was it weird to kind of go through this whole thing? I'm like a duck to water. I'm prime time 99. Oh, my gosh. It's, we're, just a, we're just a small shrimp. I'm about to be a tiger prawn, and then I'm going to get to a lobster stew. So, no, I love the attention. I'm kind of an attention whore myself. Excuse me. I don't mean to you know cuss on the show. But, mm-hmm. no, I actually like the media attention because uh, this is why. My hero, comedic hero, is a guy named Andy Kaufman. Oh, and no. Andy Kaufman, what he was a, you know special at, he blended the line of reality and fiction. So I know you, Glenn, you guys like to be more, you know, factual for me is I just want to make people question the reality in which they live in. So I think for me, it's, it shows that I'm being effective and that's why I'm actually happy. You know, I'm not, it's no pressure. It's no stress because I'm not that serious. And since I'm not playing a serious person and I'm becoming successful, it just encourages me to be more goofy, more affable. So I love it. Bring it on. More people follow me. I want more, as much attention as possible. Uh, I didn't know you were a Kaufman guy. That's interesting. I could watch Tony Clifton uh, do his shtick mm-hmm. forever. I mean, you know, Kaufman was a genius, yeah. uh, but it takes a certain person to do that. I mean, he would go to that point where 
the audience would hate him. I mean, yeah. like even his own people who came to see him would hate him sometimes because they he would just play this role and he would not give in. He wanted that laugh at any cost. Well, there's something sick in my head that has that same thing. Is like if I can make them think it's real, and then they're you know peeved or they have some sort right. of emotional response, I'm laughing to myself yeah. about it, you know. And that's why I started doing this. It's called culture jamming, where I go and I almost play like a crazy leftist to see the people that are on the left are like, is this what I really look like? And I really love it when the people on the right are like, this is what the left looks like, and they buy it. And <laughs> yeah. that's my favorite thing. I'm like, oh wow, I convinced both sides to be mad at me. Yeah. And that's how I know I'm being effective when when the more piss they are the better of job I'm doing now that most of the stuff that you've done when you've gone to like these uh, these you know town councils and such <laughs> have been like really like in that format where they are up on stage they are doing a, a meeting that legally you're allowed to speak at because mm -hmm. it's you know part of the rules and regulations of the place um, we saw you know look protests have gone all they go all over the place right we saw this with Brett Kavanaugh just the other day right yes. Kavanaugh's at the he's having a steak dinner they have these protesters come out to try to harass them I guess t they claim that he didn't even really see them but he had to sneak out the back door um, you know there's things that I really don't like about that I, I would like us to have this civilized society but the left keeps making excuses for this and if they want that world they're going to wind up getting it well, it's just an intimidation factor. It's like you said, you know, even if he didn't interact with them, he's just always thinking about them, and that's what they want. They actually did the same. Keep bringing up Tucker Carlson. You know, they went to his house and basically beat on yeah. his door. So this is just their playbook where they go and they try to intimidate people. Even if they don't ever interact with the person, they just want to leave that kind of doubt in your mind that at any moment you could be attacked or publicly scrutinized. So it's kind of a scary system that we live in where all the politicians are actually running cover for this. So I agree, even in me, that as a person that has protested people, the lack of decorum in society has totally gone. You know, we don't have any class in society. It's really just like kill or be killed. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Do you, so is the right approach for the right to kind of call this out, to, to push back against it, to do it to the left so that they know what it feels like and maybe it all stops? Well, I mean, Michelle Obama said it best, when they go low, we go high. That doesn't work, and that's fake, and that's not <laughs> <laughs> what they do so I think you have to fight certainly not you have to fight fire with fire but at the same time you don't want to hurt somebody you don't want to physically harm people but I think the left doesn't care if they physically harm people so we on the right I think we have a little uh, more of a moral compass but we do have to you know kick back in this culture war a little bit well one of the things I think is distinct from what you do as opposed to what I see a lot of times from the left like I, I'm thinking in my head of you when you went to the Beto O'Rourke speech mm -hmm. uh, here and you he's in the middle of speaking and you just blurt you just start screaming at him <laughs> and tell him all the crazy stuff he's written in his past yeah. and you're just going at him the whole time though you got this giant smile on your face. Well, you right? have to. Yeah, yeah like you, you did it with a smile. It's a totally different vibe than someone trying to threaten someone. You, I mean, you did interrupt. You did mm -hmm. make a scene, but you did it with a smile on your face. Well, I'm like McDonald's. You're going to get service with a smile when you deal with me. <laughs> and honestly, it's like we have to realize that we have to laugh. We have to smile. We have to be unintimidating because then people are going to be like, oh, he is the villain. So I guess... For the left, they want to be this mean intimidation factor. I don't want to do that. I just kind of want to, like I said earlier, blur the line of reality and fiction and do it with a smile on my face. So when people watching it, they know it's not coming from a place of hate. It's coming from a place of, you know, being inquisitive and trying to figure out what's really happening. Yeah, well, uh, you, you basically did that on, on the Power Hour as well. <laughs> and uh, uh, we'd love to have you back on another one in the future. Oh, please, yes. Uh, if I can physically take it, I can, I'm good You're for... going to be fine in a year. I know Lisa said that he's not going to ever drink again, but you'll be fine. <laughs> 
wine here in a few months. We got to do it again. And you're dominating. Congratulations on 500 episodes. You're oh. really kicking butt. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And we, of course, uh, Alex uh, was part of the Power Hour. You can get it at StuDoesPowerHour.com. And of course, you can get Alex Stein on Blaze TV. We, we were together on uh, News and Why It Matters today. And you can, of course, get him on Conspiracy Castle, his podcast, and all over Blaze TV as well. Be sure to subscribe when you get the chance. Alex, thanks for coming on, man. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Stu. All right, take your summer adventures to the next level with Bespoke Post and their new seasonal lineup of must-have Box of Awesome collections. Yes, Bespoke Post partners with small businesses and emerging brands all over the country to give you unique goods from pretty much every single area you can think of. Camping gear essentials, beach day, travel must-haves. They have awesome stuff. I, I got an awesome axe. You know, I'm, I'm pretty much a cool outdoors guy. You know, I'm kind of chopping down trees in the back of the yard all the time. It's pretty believable. Uh, also, got, they got, I got a great travel bag from them that I use all the time. Why? Well, because I'm awesome, and I got a Box of Awesome at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. They release new ones every month across a ton of different categories. Each box is valued at about $70, and you only pay a fraction of that price. Everyone I've ever seen has been much more than $70, but I mean, I guess that's the lowest it could possibly be. You're going to do better uh, than the price anyway. Uh, free, it's free to sign up. You can, can skip a month anytime. Really easy to customize. Uh, get 20% off your first monthly Box of Awesome when you go to boxofawesome.com and enter the code STU at checkout. It's a great gift as well. Boxofawesome.com, code is STU. For 20% off your first box, boxofawesome.com, code is STU. StuDoesPowerHour.com. Go there right now. You can check out the Power Hour from uh, last Friday. It is. It was a lot of fun. Was it our fourth one I think we've done? They Each one seems to get crazier than the one before. Um, I was there with my wife, Lisa Page, Andrew Heaton, uh, Chad Prather was there, Alex Stein was there, Sarah Gonzalez was there. It was just a great time with a lot of great people and an awesome, awesome audience. You know, I, I feel like when we started the show, like this tiny little group and we were all sort of in the secret club together. And as it's grown into something a lot bigger, I kind of feel like we've been able to maintain that vibe. You know, it still feels like we're kind of just like all a little tiny group, a little tiny club, a little tiny family. And we had a bunch of people who were big uh, fans of the show that came from all over the country uh, to be here and hang out and laugh us at, at us being idiots. And many of them drinking to excess uh, themselves out in the crowd. We had a blast with them. I'm going to give you some comments from the show. This lived up to the billing. I love this Blaze family that you have built. Thanks, Glenn Beck, for risking everything to create this. Yeah, amen on that one. Uh, Adam writes, uh, this is not going to help my myocarditis. That was an Alex Stein moment that we will never forget. This is amazing. I could watch the Blaze live all day. You're all the best. This is so fun. Thanks, y'all. Uh, then you have uh, too much fun. Y'all, lots of y'alls in the comments today. Love the mini Glenn Beck roast there in the middle. Yeah, you'll have to uh, you'll have to watch it to check that one out. Don't tell Glenn. Uh, thanks so much for an entertaining hour. It was extremely fun to watch and a great way to finish off the week. It was a good kickoff for the weekend, at least for you. I had to go through it so my body did not have a fun time over the weekend. But I do this. I sacrifice for you, I swear. And this was awesome. Such a blast being live in studio for every moment. Uh, loved every second of, the, of it. Thank you. And thank Thank you so much for all the people who actually took the time to come here. I, th I hope you had a great time. I know we did. Uh, at least I did until later that night. Back in a second. You know, buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do, and it can be 10 times worse if you're not working with a great real estate agent. Generally speaking, our homes are our biggest investment. 
uh, unless you're buying like a Lamborghini. If you've got a Lambo, maybe you're paying a little bit more for that than your home, but probably not. And if you don't have a great real estate agent uh, that can take that responsibility seriously, you can get in a lot of trouble and blow your financial future. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find the best real estate agent you know. I mean, look, you go to restaurants, you know, some of them can cook, some of them can't. You know, you go, uh, you go buy a car, you get some good car salesmen, some that aren't so great. You don't think about that as much with real estate agents, but it's important to think that way. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and give them some basic information. The team will help you find the best agent in your area. It's realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. Well, you won't have to wait long, people in the South. Yes, soon you will have a floating abortion clinic. Yes, so we finally did it. The ultimate of human achievement. Uh, there's going to be a new, potentially at least, they're proposing a floating abortion clinic in the Gulf of Mexico. Now, when we were talking about this months and months and months ago, if Roe versus Wade gets overturned, the farthest you might have to travel to get an abortion would be a couple of hours of a flight from a place like Houston. Uh, so, you know, they want to find a place uh, a lot closer to Houston, and that's going to be in the Gulf of Mexico. Now, I don't know. I mean, you know, you know how boats are. It could be kind of weird doing a an operation uh, for an abortion or whatever in the middle of that. But, hey, they don't, they don't care about the baby's life. Maybe they don't care about the mom's either. I don't know. Um, this is kind of like the opposite of the love boat. It's going to be the abortion boat called Prowess, protecting Republican, uh, rep- reproductive rights of women endangered by state statutes. Really, really catchy, and I'm sure that'll catch on really fast. Uh, a group is offering $250 for SCOTUS justices, and when, when you see them out, if you tell them about it, they'll pay you. Uh, because they want to harass people they disagree with. And that's, we were just talking about this with Alex Stein a few minutes ago. This is what they want to do. This is who they are. And they want to come out and harass people who are having uh, dinner because they disagree. And that was never our country. It was never the way it was supposed to be. But this is the way the left wants it. And I will tell you, like, look, I'm never going to be out there uh, yelling at, at, at Supreme Court. I'm never going to find so- Sonia Sotomayor and start yelling at her at a, a kid, Qdoba. That's just not going to be me. But you know what? Somebody will. It's not going to be me. Might not be you, but if they want that world, somebody's going to give it to them, and I don't think they're going to like the results. Rage Against the Machine is back in the news um, for the first time in, I don't know, 20 years or so. These are uh, actual communists. The band, <laughs> the lead singer, at least, was an actual communist. Uh, very upset about the whole Roe versus Wade thing, and you'd understand that coming from a communist. Uh, because usually they wanted to kill people. It was like the thing they were best at. So the fact that lives were ending usually makes them very excited. And it did in this case. Uh, they were, and they, they, by the way, took our slogan. We were complaining about the abortion protesters who were saying like, end the Supreme Court, end the Supreme Court. We're like, guys, you have abort the court. You got to use that. It rhymes and everything. And they did. They called, uh, they did a, a big uh, return to the stage and it said abort the Supreme Court. And, um, it was wonderful to hear in between the screaming. And finally, a, prex, uh, a pregnant Texas woman had an argument with a, uh, a, an officer. She got a ticket and she said she should not get the ticket because she was in the HOV lane, but she's pregnant. And she said, well, got a baby right here, uh, two people. And she said, with everything going on with the abortion laws, uh, that counts. I shouldn't get the ticket. Now, I think there was rumors at first that she was maybe a liberal and was just trying to troll the officer like on the abortion laws. There are some people who are saying she's not. She's just seriously saying that this this is her point. She wants to get out of this ticket because uh, the, the pregnant woman should be allowed there because it's two people. And what I have to say to that is your terms are acceptable. 
100%. You shouldn't get the ticket. You're right. Go, go on your way, fine madam. And that should be a great change. I'm 100% fine with that. It's a great change in the law and sends a wonderful message. Texas should embrace it fully. StuDoesPowerHour.com is the place to go. I mean, we're at the end of the show. You might as well go directly there and check out the Power Hour now if you missed it on Friday. Or watch it again. Watch it and share it. Uh, Leave lots of comments, algorithmic engagement comments below to pass it along. It's StuDoesPowerHour.com. We will see you tomorrow.